Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Hello, welcome back to Your Wellness and You with Dr. Lulu. My name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. the momatrician and the, I guess, host of the show. I just wanted you guys to know that I had a good weekend for those who are worried because I've been anxious about my kids returning to school. But, you know, what do I know? Today we have another glorious doctor. Just happens to be Mokalicious. You know, I try to bring y'all diversity, but... I can't help it. My folks want to be here, so I'm going to be here for them. So Dr. Delicia Hayes is another DPC doc. It's just You're going to get a string of DPC docs because I'm doing DPC docs this time around. And she just wants to come and hang out with us this morning. So Dr. Delicia, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Did I get it, Delicia? Is it Delicia? Delicia, Delicia yes, and thank you for that. <laughs> Fantastic. So she's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about the usual stuff, you know? How is she doing personally? Has a family been affected by this COVID-19 situation? Or how is her practice doing? Or either or none of the above. Who knows? So there's at least just a brief introduction of who you are and, um, and then we'll get started. Sure. So I'm Dr. Delicia Haynes. I'm the founder and CEO of Family First Health Center, which is the first direct primary care practice here in Daytona Beach, Florida. I transitioned, uh, I started my practice 11 years ago. I transitioned about five and a half years ago. And um, yeah, so been you know growing ever since, and uh, it's seen me through a lot of personal uh, you know ish tragedies, and um, I'm just really excited about the direct primary care movement, and um, but what it's been able to do for me personally, both enjoying how I practice medicine again, and then you know there's also you know just like the financial and entrepreneurial side of it that I've, I've enjoyed as well. That's wonderful. And I know before we started recording, you said you, were, you took the day off. I mean, this is the kind of medicine that your mama didn't even ever know that it was possible to just say, mm -hmm. you know what, today I don't feel like doing anything and um, that's okay too. I'm in a group of 17,000 plus mochalicious doctors, pharmacists, veterinarians. And over the weekend, someone actually just, you could just tell, they were just lamenting. They're like, who else feels highly dissatisfied with medicine and who else just regrets going into medicine and and i don't know 174 comments later everyone's like we feel you we feel you the person is a farm d but they were just crying that the loans are not worth it and of course now there's a virus where people are thinking well i'm just not going to wear my mask because you know i'm not going to get sick but what about if your doctor gets sick whatever if your grandmother what if my grandmother gets sick like we're just so individualized in our thinking now it's like I don't really care. I'm going to go to the beach, whatever. I mean, it's like, needless to say, that's why we're here, right? Because there's such a high rate of suicide amongst doctors. And we had the one, mm -hmm. the most recent one in memory, at least for me, was a doctor in New Jersey. And that's why I started doing this. So 
how are you doing on your own emotionally, just personally speaking? How are your emotions? How are you doing just since all of this? And I'm happy that you're in Florida, but Florida is like having a surge of cases now, right? Because I think the line is straight in Florida. Absolutely. Yes, that's us. So, um, yeah, so it's, you know, we're, we're living in really, you know, it's, it's unprecedented times and it really has been that, you know, both in terms of COVID, in terms of race relations. Um, and, you know, it's been, it's been tough. There's, there's definitely no question about that. And the, the daily practices that I've been doing for years to kind of keep myself in check have become even more important during this time. Uh, so, you know, trying to make sure that I'm getting my eight hours of sleep is the most important thing. Mm. It didn't happen last night, but it will happen tonight. Um, making sure that I'm, you know, eating well, that I'm eating nutritiously. I'm not like going after the, you know, the junk food and the wine that my, that part of me is craving, uh, you know, because anytime you're stressed, you, you go for those comfort foods and, you know, so not, you know, not doing that, actually listening to my, my higher self that tells me what I really need. Um, and then uh, that daily exercise practice, it just, you know, when we have all of those, all of that anxiety, it has to go somewhere before we can go to bed. And so, you know, every single day before sunset, I am power walking through uh, one of the parks that is up here. And I probably look like a mad woman some days, depending on what kind of day I've had. Um, dealing with some of the things that you've already talked about, because there's a, still a lot of patients who think this is a hoax and um, you know, all of that. And, and uh, so, you know, those things are, are things that I've had to really step up and become more intentional about than ever. Um, just to kind of, you know, just to say where I am, you know, so just to, just to make sure that I'm taking care of myself so that I still can take care of other people. And definitely taking a day off is part of that too. I'm happy that you mentioned that, well, a couple of things already. And I'm, I usually make this very organic. I don't have any set questions. It just, we just kind of go with the flow. So you mentioned that some people still think it's a hoax, especially in America. And I read somewhere where, I'm not sure if this is true, 11,000 cases worldwide. I'm like, I mean, 11 million cases worldwide. 11 million, that's almost like, that's a good chunk of human beings that were alive on New Year's. It doesn't make any sense and of course america has what are we like 150,000 now that have deaths so it's like over the weekend one of my cousins reminded me that yes america right now is not even allowed to go into europe i'm like yes that's good because before the virus struck our president was blocking other countries from coming to the u.s well guess now right now they're like no you don't even get to come in so now once these sanctions sanctions start hitting us because it all they listen to economy nobody listens to life or doctors that we don't know anything but when it hits their pockets then they listen so how are you navigating i mean i'm just going to kind of go from you to your practice sense how are you navigating the patients are you seeing that are thinking it's still a hoax because florida is not doing well and it's because of the beaches i know some guys want to argue that well it was a protest no it's not the protest because if it was a protest minnesota will have a higher case but it's florida and Texas and North Carolina, the beaches. This is the this is the problem. So, what about you? How how do you navigate your patients that are thinking this is just a joke? Uh, so, I'll, it's it depends on the moment I'm in. So, you know, there are times where I cannot engage um, because there, you know you have to recognize there are certain people who, no matter what you say, are not going to change their mind. And um, you know, I I speak into listening ears. So. 
if I know that, you know, I have, you know, I, I definitely am going to educate them to the best of my ability. And I always do that. Um, and some of them, they just, you know, they just have to keep coming back, keep coming back. And we have to agree to disagree. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard, those power walking days. <laughs> so um, generally, we try to spread those folks out. Uh, so I'm not having them, you know, back to back to back. But um, it's really, you know, it's really unfortunate that this has been so politicized. Um, I just wrote that down. I literally just wrote down politicizing, politicizing masks. So we can talk about yeah. that because it's like, yeah, only in America. I, yeah, it's, you know, and it's, and it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate that even, you know, even doctors, one of our colleagues had put up a graph talking about, um, you know, the increase in cases, but not, but that the increase in cases at that time were not showing an increase in hospitalizations. Um, and he was saying that there's like 11 days in between usually, but it didn't take into account the lag time or the affected population, because we know that, okay, that, you know, the younger folks, a lot of them aren't ending up in the hospital and that lag time is going to be, when are they going to be around the grandparents? When are they going to be around, um, you know, other, um, kind of, uh, more, you know, just medically fragile people. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's and that's when we're going to see the spikes. So I was really, I was really um, disappointed to see him take data and, um, and really, you know, he said, he said he wasn't politicizing it, but in essence, by omission, um, you know, knowing that, okay, there's a longer lag time that we're seeing. The reason they closed the bars is not because there are a bunch of older people going and hanging out there. Um, it was not, uh, you know, not well, maybe in the state of Florida, honey, because in the state well, of Florida, the bar <laughs> was one of the first things that were open because two people have to get their drink on and four people have to go to the beach and the other five have to carry a gun to shoot a virus, you know? So it's like, you know, in Texas, we, 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 it's a whole different animal here. The bars mm. were the first to, I don't even think they ever closed the bars. I mean, oh my God, I tell you, this whole virus has exposed the depth of ignorance in governance everywhere across the globe across the globe and it's a sign of, of of the times if you have old white people who don't know any better and we're taking advice from them to drink bleach and go under ultrasonic light or whatever i don't know i don't care to lead us then this is what's going to happen when the head is not right the body is going to falter I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And talking about doctors, we had a doctor here in Texas. The, the video went viral. It was a lady, and I don't know her name. I didn't even finish watching, watching it. When this thing first started, she had a huge, I don't know, stage. I don't know who she was talking to. She was talking about how this whole virus is not even real. And it's, oh, my it, medical doctor, she, she called her name, Gonzalez or something. Said, I'm a doctor, and I'm telling you right now, the pharmacists are just lying, and oh. And now look at what Texas is going through. Well, and it, it's, you know, it's, it, the, the times that we, list, that we live in, it's so easy for information to get out, you know, that anybody who has a phone can be basically their own reporter. And, um, and, and there's no filter. And it's, I think what we really are seeing is the assassination of the truth, um, which is interesting because you think that in a time when there is so much more visibility and it's so easy to find out if someone is, um, you know, not telling the truth that we would be, you know, more, more truth tellers, but we've seen the actual, you know, the opposite of that. Yes. Uh, 
so, but it's, you know, you know, as a scientist, that's, you know, the first, the most frustrating thing about, well, as a human, definitely seeing people die. I mean, that, um, that is the hardest thing. And one thing that I will say I do love about social media is that it is humanizing the numbers. So you get to meet the people through their family, through their family tributes that, you know, it otherwise would have been a number that, you know, passed on that day. So um, that, you know, that degree, I, you know, I do, I do like, but, um, you know, in a time that we don't have real news media anymore, we just have talking heads who are telling their, you know, their position. Um, I really do kind of yearn for the days of, uh, I don't know, Connie Chung is when I, when I was growing up and I thought like, this is Brad Gumbel. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I'm sure they had their issues too, but, and I was, Younger then, I was probably a lot more naive then, or I definitely was a lot more naive then. But um, you know, I really, you know, I missed that. And now you need to listen to like five different outlets to try and get one story. And who has time for that? So, um, you know, your your other point as far as like what I what I do is I do have to I have to unplug a lot. Um, so you know, I'm not glued to the television. I'm not glued to social media. Um, just because you know to one to, to um take care of my own mental health and to get work done <laughs> it's like uh you know i've got to get stuff done and um you know it's just it's just not really helpful uh, i i i i'm gonna applaud you first of all for being able to unplug because that is a real situation the whole thing is meant to just kind of keep you glued to the screen <laughs> Don't forget about the uh, yellow eye. What is it called? I something. I bought the the yellow glasses for blue lights protection yesterday. I put them for like five seconds, and I had an instant migraine. I said, like, "Guys, I promise you, I'm not faking it." They're like, "Mom, just because I'm on the screen all the time, mainly because my, I I do telemedicine, but still, I'm on the screen. Either way, screen time is like Gen X or 10X. So I get it. I get it." I tell you what, I don't know what we're, I don't know if we're going to see December, how many people are going to be remaining on earth by December. Because on, on Twitter the other day, I saw a viral video of London Soho. They had an event, maybe on Thursday or something. Thousands of people, just all of them there, just chilling. No masks on, no physical distancing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Two or three days ago on Thursday, like this is so bad. Folks have just thrown caution to the wind. When did we? When did humanity get like this? Nobody cares about anything except themselves. Yeah. So you know, we've we've been egocentric for quite some time, but becoming mm-hmm. egomaniacal is, um, and the celebration of that is, you know, something that we we hadn't always seen. And I, I there are a lot of people who are you know have this kind of COVID nineteen fatigue, which is you know, that's understandable. Um, you know, I, I don't have kids at home. So I, but I am, I've become my nephew's uh, playmate, basically, um, since he can't play with anyone else. So he's like constantly calling me. Um, so I can only imagine for the, you know, the parents who are trying to both work from home and parent from home um, at the same time that, you know, people are just like, I, you know, I can't live like this. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely understand their, um, the fatigue that people are experiencing and the frustration people are experiencing. Um, 
and that you know if but on the same hand you know we have to look at the bigger picture and i think we really have to say like it's okay to look out for other people um so you know i wear a mask when i'm out um you know i wear masks definitely at the clinic my entire team is wearing masks we encourage our patients to wear masks we don't turn people away if they if they don't um but we you know changed all of our um all of our processes just to take care of people and to keep them safe um and it's you know it's frustrating to to feel like you're kind of the only one sometimes but then you recognize that that to your point um the 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 media's job is to make you watch and once you start watching is to make sure that you stay there uh so that the way that they're going to do that is to make sure they're showing things that are hard to believe things that are that uh raise your eyebrows that raise your blood pressure um then they're going to keep you engaged and um and unfortunately you know that all the things that frustrate you are the things that make it hard for you to, to look away uh so um the unplugging has become absolutely essential absolutely. and i just really you know recommend that people um and it's and, you know it's hard because right now people are like, what else can I do? Uh, so you know all of your entertainment is coming from online. Um, you know a lot of good things are coming from online too. Workout video instructions and things of that nature. Uh, your 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 point about mental health. Um, you know there's you know it's great to have that service via telemedicine. Um, but when it comes to just generally perusing the the social media feed channels and everything, then it's definitely a good idea to take pause. Yeah. I know for I know for a mother of three boys who are in their prime, I weep for them. I I, I feel so bad for them because mm -hmm. just staying at home. You know, I mean each one of them goes for a run around the neighborhood. The baby goes to play basketball. He's like, Mom, I'm working on my jump shots and yesterday he used a tennis ball to do a few good ones too. And I I I have to give him grace to just he's fifteen. You know, it's just, oh my God, the amount of testosterone in his brain. He's like, he even said to me, he said, mom, there's only so much the video games can do. And I was like, this is my own child telling me that. So I was like, you know what, son, go ahead, just go. And then says, make sure there's one or two people only. And they're on that basketball, um, whatever hoop, and you're on this basketball hoop. Please, I beg you, because I don't know what else to say. That being said, I do know that he's also agitating to practice his jump shot because he plays basketball in school. So there's the fear or worry about school in a month. What are we gonna do? Is there gonna be school or no school? Unfortunately, it's gonna to be tough, but I always go back to two things. Seat belts had to be, we had to start wearing seat belts as, a, as humans because we had lost enough lives by not wearing seat belts. And if you think seat belts are uncomfortable, Try wearing a seatbelt nine freaking months pregnant in August in South Carolina. It is hot, but you got to wear your seatbelt because it's the right thing to do. So it's like wearing a mask, don't wear a mask. Come on, you're going to the store for 30 minutes. You can wear your mask versus a doctor who has to be a surgeon who is doing, I don't know, neurosurgery on the brain for 13 hours. I mean, people just don't want to inconvenience themselves. And I keep talking about you have a big fancy house by the, by, the sh by the beach, you've got everything in your home, then you don't wanna stay in it. And then we have people like Nelson Mandela who stayed in a six by six cell for 27 years. Like everything is perception. It really is. And, then and if you don't think a mask is good, 
try a ventilator for fit and let me know how that feels. So, I mean, come on, I, not you, but just people who just don't want to think I can do nothing else. My kids, each one goes for a run and they get their energy out. I go for a walk in the morning, I go for a walk in the evening because in between that I'm standing here or sitting here by my computer or I'm laying on my bed or I go hang out at the backyard with the dog or some, I'm doing something so I'm not thinking because I have aged parents in Nigeria where there's nothing. We might have two ventilators in America for zero over there. So it's like, I still have to keep in perspective to, I don't lose my mind because it's real. And I have to, to worry about my three kids. One day they're gonna, the baby, the oldest one just needs to, he needs to go to his master's in Boston and he wants to go. Can I really truly stop him? I don't know. So, but at the point, I'm just gonna take it one by the, one day at a time. And as we just wait on the news and just hope that maybe, <laughs> and my question, my question of the day is, what are the anti-vaxxers gonna do? Because now we're all waiting for COVID-19 vaccine. What about the anti-vaxxers? What do you have to say about that, buddy? Do you have any, any thoughts about that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the anti-vaxxers are going to remain anti-vaxxers. So um, there's, um, there's always gonna be that. And I do understand you know, people's um, concern about us rushing the vaccine and, and not being, the, not, you know, being wanting to be the first person in line to get something that they feel is rushed. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that the, once the vaccine is, is available, we will unfortunately see another uptick in um, news that's you know, on both sides of the spectrum. Um, and it's just, it's, it's such a, I, I think that we as physicians, we do have to do a better job of informing people about vaccine-related illnesses, that there are some of them that are real. Mm -hmm. um, and that there are certain children, uh, there are certain people that because of their underlying health conditions or whatever, um, aren't a good candidate. And we need to be very specific about that population. Mm -hmm. um, we, we haven't done the best job of compassionately uh, saying that to parents. Most parents, and I have a lot of parents who uh, who just, you know, they question vaccines and they're not so much pro or against is um, they're concerned. And so, you know, our job is to compassionately educate people, mm -hmm. um, both on the, you know, the, the pros and the cons and not pretend that there aren't any, um, but to really put them into perspective and help people to put them into perspective. Um, so I think that we, you know, we as, we as physicians have done a poor job um, in that, in that area, that we could be a lot more compassionate with pa patients' concerns and with educating them, um, realizing that they didn't go to medical school. Uh, they're just trying to make sure their kid is okay. And they're seeing on social media and they're seeing in you know, the streets about links to things that uh, we know have been disproven. Um, but you know, finding that information that and giving that information in a way that is palatable that they actually you know can understand it and have some peace of mind about it, um, that's you know that's absolutely essential. But do you think the do you think is the physicians who have not done a good enough job per se versus the negative news because you just said it negative news is what sells. Oh, mm -hmm. a child got something from a vaccine. Oh my goodness, what, what, what was it? What, 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 what is it? So I don't care how you try to debunk that. That's sensationalizing the news and that's what sells and that's what people want to hear. And uh, most, because I'm coming from a third world country, third world country where I have seen vaccines work. I have mm -hmm. seen what no vaccine can do to a child, AKA measles, 
meningitis, diphtheria, polio. We have waves, I mean, scores of people in the northern part of Nigeria because they have some belief that polio causes sterilization in a male. I don't know where that news came from, but majority of the people in that part of the world, or let me put it this way, majority of the kids that have polio that I've seen are from that part of the world. And it's clear that people in the Eastern part of the world who do vaccinate don't have polio. I mean, something as simple as that, but they have a stronger belief of wanting to not be sterilized. I mean, you know what I mean? Like just this need to procreate and has, it overshadows the positive of vaccines. And I've seen, this is, I went to med school in Nigeria, in the Northern part of Nigeria, where this is where we see these things. Meningitis, oh my God, maize measles. And I tell people, I said, hmm, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're worried about vaccines, but your parents vaccinated you. Of course, this is not an anti-vax talk, but it's real talk because that's the argument. Okay, your parents, you were vaccinated, but now you want to choose your kids to not be vaccinated at the risk of other kids. So going back to me, my, I, I don't really care, you know, I had a parent once, he used to come, she said, please, do you have any kids that have chicken pox? I didn't even know why. She wanted to expose her son to that. I said, no, I'm not going to tell you that a kid has chicken pox so you can come and expose your child to you because you don't want your child to be immunized. Your child doesn't have a choice. If your child had to choose, will they choose to be immunized or not? Who knows? I don't know. But that's interesting. I think, I, think it, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens if and when we do get vaccines because there's another virus that is coming from China again. There's a new one that just supposedly similar to swine flu, but not, and it's on its way here anyway. So maybe this is the world, maybe this is the end of the world as we know it because the people that have died from this COVID-19, the doctors that have died, my dad shared a, a, a picture of a, I guess it's a mirage or whatever, no, not Mirage, I forget the name, whatever, that of all the people, all the doctors that died, made up the face of a lady with a mask on. And just, this is not just doctors, I think medical professionals that have died, millions of them that were alive New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And that's taken away from the already shortened medical providers. We don't have enough to begin with. And so this is why I'm doing this, because we are stressed to the max. I'm not working traditionally, but I'm stressed for my brothers and sisters who are in the front lines every day. A colleague of mine here in San Antonio said his partner, their MA, two of their nurses are all hospitalized as we speak. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if they're gonna make it. And now he's the only one coming to work every day. He doesn't want to come, he wants to throw in the tower. He is stressed to the max. This is the making of suicide. Burnout, extraordinary. And at the end of this year, are we gonna have any more doctors? Who knows? Who knows? So how are you well, doing with your family? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, no. I was just gonna, you know, mention that um, that yeah, it's it's so important that we stand up for ourselves and our rights and our own protection. Um, no, we can't always control what someone else does. Usually, we can't. Um, you know, we can influence to the to the to the extent that we can. I, I will say, like um, the success that I've had with patient with parents specifically in vaccination. I think is only because of the way that I come across, you know, if you, when you come across um, very, very harsh and there's only one way to go, um, people get defensive. And when people get defensive, they're not going to be receptive to what you're saying. So it's really important. I think that we as physicians really get, get good at really understanding what someone's, you know, what, what the fear is. The root cause, uh, yes, exactly. You know, what's, you know, what's going on in the background? Because at, at the end of the day, everybody wants to protect their kid. 
Mm. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, it's that question of, okay, like, am I protecting my kid by not vaccinating versus am I protecting them by vaccinating? And so when I've been able to sit down and have, you know, conversations that are full of respect with my parents about, uh, you know, these are, these are the pros, these are the cons, um, and not pretending that they're, you know, that it's all, you know, every treatment that we give has potential pros and has potential cons, um, you know, and they, and, and, you know, we, we're always kind of making that, um, what's the best decision given, given those two. And I think when we really take the time to sit down and have a conversation with parents, it's different. That's one of the beautiful thing about DPC is that you have that time uh, to form those really trusting relationships mm-hmm. where even when somebody comes in and they initially were very fearful of, you know, everything, uh, when they have a chance to, to talk to you and you have to establish that relationship. And it may, you know, I've had a couple conversations that have gone on for months um, and, you know, but they, they have all um, made their own decision toward vaccination at the end. So what is DPC for those who don't know and why did mm-hmm. you go into it? I guess we could, we could, that's a nice segue into that. <laughs> so, uh, so direct primary care is uh, one of the, the fastest growing movements in modern medicine. Uh, so rather than the doctor being in network with uh, insurance companies and getting paid from insurance companies, they get paid directly through their doctor through an innovative monthly membership. So they get say, things like same or next day appointments, longer one-on-one time with the doctor, like we were talking about, uh, virtual visits. So, you know, uh, DPC doctors were really well positioned to make this transition. Um, into doing more telemedicine than you know physicians who who are not DPC or who are relying on insurance to say that they are going to cover it first. Um, so you know those are some of the some of the aspects of direct primary care, and it's really you know I think most people just say it's 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 old fashioned it's a new way of providing old fashioned care, and you know really getting back to that doctor patient relationship is the heart of medicine, and that's what we all we that's what we all went to medical school for. Um, and you know, it's the way I love, I, I, I love what I've always loved what I do, but I've not always loved how I did it. How you did and, it. So, um, you know, when I started my practice 11 years ago, straight out of residency with zero business background, um, everyone kept saying that I was going to get better. It was going to get better. Well, I got better, but the system got much worse and I knew that it was going to, it wasn't going to improve ever. And I'm nowhere near retirement age. So, um, you know, I made that transition. Name of my company is Family First. I knew I was never going to have my own family if I stayed in the model that I created in the prison that I created. So uh, five and a half years ago is when I, um, I transitioned to direct primary care. And I also, I, you know, I always mentioned that I was uh, clinically depressed when I made that transition. And so um, partially because the lifestyle that I was living, I was always there for my patients. Now I was always, always putting my patients first. And I've always known what I need to do to keep myself healthy, but I didn't have the time to do it. Uh, so, you know, switching to DPC has allowed me not only to have more time with my patients and make the changes and transformations in their lives, um, but also, you know, just the, the, the amount, like I'm no longer a hypocrite, uh, usually. I didn't, get, I didn't get eight hours last night. But uh, for the most part, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sleeping well, I'm eating well, I'm exercising. I uh, enjoy the work that I do. I enjoy the impact that I make, um, who I get to be in the community. And um, there were just things that I wasn't, 
wasn't able to do to the extent that I can do now uh, before. So I am a huge fan of DPC. I, I love helping doctors transition to DPC and, um, you know, helping them with strategy and that sort of thing, just because um, I, I too am a huge physician mental health advocate. And, you know, so much, so many of us, this is a calling. So when it's a calling, it's not like you can just walk away from it. Yes, uh, yes. So you, you know, helping people to change how they do it so they can support themselves and support their patients uh, is really essential. And it's, it's something I'm really happy to do. Really happy to do. And I can tell you're very passionate about it. I like that quote though. I've always loved what I do, but I've not always loved how I do it. And I think that's going to be my quote for the day from you. And of course, I enjoy, I enjoy the impact that I make. That's also powerful. And so for those of you who don't know DPC, it is the way to go. As first for me, I mean, I, I'm sold hook, line, and sinker. I like it. I, call, I like to call it this Netflix for your doctor, because that's the only thing I know people get. Netflix, you pay monthly fee, and you can watch the movie however number of times you want to. And in my own case, you have full access to me 24 seven. If I'm asleep, you don't have access to me. And that's the way it is. But I'm glad you're also being honest because you know, some days you sleep, you know, eight hours, some days you don't. And, and at least you make the call when you want to and when you can't, it is in your power because burnout is real. You know, I know you, see, you use the word depression. I can call it burnout. I mean, it's just too much. And then in America, those who go to school in America, they have student loans of epic proportions when it comes to medical school and then we don't get paid as much as people think and the whole idea of this and then you call the humanizing the disease at the beginning i call this particular show humanizing doctors people need to see that doctors are real we feel pain we lose family members to covid19 we lose ourselves in there somewhere in, in our work just call to do it we're not perfect and no one is asking for perfection I'm asking for progress. I don't think there's any doctor that's perfect. I know I'm not. I don't want to be. I don't, I don't even want to be perfect at all. And for those who toss the Bible around, even Jesus was not perfect. He was God, but he was not perfect. He lost his temper. He got mad. He cried. He sent people to get the heck out of his father's house. He said things that, you know, like a human being would do. So I say doctors are not any different. And what I want people to see is doctors being human, struggling because we can. Um, I, I, yes, I moved wholly to telemedicine. I haven't set foot in my office. In fact, last week, I told myself, I'm not going to pay after this month. I'm not going to pay anymore. That's it, because I'm, I'm not going to be using it. And I, I don't know where this virus is going. So I'm definitely not prepped to, to go back there. But certainly, I'm happy that you, know, you came on the show and you talked to, you talked to us a little bit about just how you're doing. Has your family been affected by this at all? Well, I come from an extremely close family, so we are not used to FaceTiming instead of hugging and, and that sort of thing. And so we have, you know, I've not seen my father since Christmas, um, and I usually see him quarterly. And I have an aunt that's in the area that we, you know, go and have sunny dinners at her house. And, um, you know, she's got some, some medical issues. And so, you know, I even though I've tested myself, um, I, I do work in my clinic. So my clinic never closed throughout this. You know, we, yes. um, we changed our processes so that, you know, I'm, I see respiratory patients out in the parking lot. If they have, you know, coughs and colds and things of that nature, I examine them out there um, in my full, you know, get up. Uh, and it's hot. <laughs> it's, it's really hot. Um, but, you know, it's, it, you know, it's continued to, to take care of people um, but also to, you know, protect myself and protect my staff. So I, uh, 
you know, we, we paused for a brief moment to make sure that we had, you know, the masks and that we had things to protect my staff. As the CEO, I'm responsible for making sure I'm creating a, a safe environment for them to work. So we um, paused for literally, it was just a, a number of days, and um, we actually got our N95 masks from a patient who worked in construction. Um, and, you know, they were just like, we need you guys to be around for us. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. We need the doctors to be here. Like of all the yeah. things we worry about, you need the doctor to not get affected by this. And that's why I'm saying you, we need your mental health to be, to be intact. We need your physical health to be intact. Oh, God bless that patient. Wow. Yeah, I we've had several of them, you know, are that none of the none of the initial, you know, because everything that I initially ordered was on back order. Uh, and so, you know, our initial gear, our gowns came from a dental group that we took care of. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were mandated to close anyway to conserve PPE. Uh, so, you know, they they, you know, gave us some gowns. Um, a distillery was making hand sanitizer. Now it's it smelled like vodka but <laughs> and then my my staff added essential oils to it so it's like, oh my God. Smell like potatoes. um but you know now we have you know our usual source uh but you know it's just really thankful for them stepping up and trying and i and that's the part of this that i do love seeing that doesn't get enough airtime is you know, all of the amazing people, the kids who are making masks, the, you know, all the amazing people who are doing amazing things just to lift people's spirits and take care of people in this time that, yes, you know, when it, when it rains, it rains on everybody, but everybody's in different, a different situation. Uh, so like we might be in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And uh, those people who are going out of their way to take care of people and be there for people, um, that is heartwarming. That's the, that's the news that I, I do uh, pay attention to. Yes. And I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that on so many levels. I needed to hear about just, and this is a testament to what DPC does. And I, and I don't think DPC gets enough it's need out, I, out there. Out. And maybe I'm going to talk about DPC today on my Facebook Live. I don't know. But it's important that people know that this is the kind of thing that can only be pulled off because of the kind of care that comes with DPC style practice or model practice. You're there 100% of the time for your patients, easily accessible and affordable. And so when they see all the good that you are able to give to them, it's a no-brainer. We have all these extra gowns. Then you know, y'all, please have them so that you don't get sick. We have all these extra masks. It's funny you said that you got masks from construction workers. My wife bought our she bought a box of N95 from Home Depot. I think she got the last one. That's how come we have, and it's funny, I'm gonna come out and say, when it's first started, she, I work from home, they're like, oh, don't worry about it, girl. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to work every day. So she went everywhere and found the last remaining box of N95 masks from Home Depot. And am I not so glad that she did now? Because guess who has N95 masks? Us. But, but the point is, we, everybody has their one and they're holding on to it and we don't wanna, overuse it because the kids have may have to go to school. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen down the line, but I'm glad that we have masks that at least, you know, and the kids are older in my home. So they're able to see me literally struggling every day to juggle this and that and the other. And then, and they don't take it for granted. And neither do I, but I'm happy that, that you mentioned that your practice is also just, and you keep saying, taking care of your staff. This is, this is a phrase that, Many doctors don't even think about because you just go to work every day. But because you own it and because of the way direct primary care is, 
you literally are very intentional and mindful where your staff, because they're only as good as all the tools they have. And your staff is your tools. And if you take care of your staff, you take care of your practice and your practice will, no wonder you're doing well even in this. You're one of the people who have said that. The other thing you mentioned that I think is funny and nice is that you see the respiratory patients in their car. Again, because you have DPC, you can mm -hmm. do it, which is amazing. So fantastic. Congratulations on being able to pivot, which is what I've been talking about, which is what this virus has done. It has caused us to learn to adapt and pivot and basically just, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? Because this virus is not going to get me. So that's congratulations. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. So before I let you go, can you tell us where the peeps can find you and how they can reach you, those in Daytona Beach, Florida? And then, of course, um, I swear, I don't want to say the word Florida right now. I don't even want to say the word Florida, but I have to. And then yeah. so where, where can we find you on Facebook? I mean, on Facebook, on social media. And then what's your email or whatever, whatever you want to give us. As DPC, I know you probably give that out because that's what DPC does. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can be found uh, across social media platforms at Dr. Delicia MD. That's D R D E L I C I A M D. Uh, so my practice is Family First Health Center, and it's familyfirsthealthcenter.com is our website. Uh, so that's the you know the personalized healthcare that we do. If you're in the Florida area, um, you know we would love to take care of you, both myself and my partner. Um, and then also to your before, point, before about, you go too far, family first with a one or first spelled out or family. It's, so, it's spelled out. Yeah. It's, it's the traditional family first, uh, F I R S T health center. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's family first completely spelled out. It's long. Uh, but that is the, <laughs> that is the, that is the website you can find us there. And then with my work that I do with physician mental health, I do that on my drdeliciamd.com page um, and our white space, our white coat safe space page as well. So it's called white coat space. White, <laughs> white coat safe space. It was a little bit tongue time for me as well. So it's, it's called white coat, coat safe space.com? Yes. Safe space. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, wonderful. Wonderful. I'm just so happy that you're able to come and hang out with us today. I know you got to go. Everybody got to go. Good morning. I really, really, truly appreciate you coming. Did you have any going away words for the listeners and the watchers? Anything you wanted to say as far as like, I don't know, words of wisdom? Yes, I, well, I think it's, you know, it's so important in this time that we learn really to fill our own cups and serve from our overflow. So especially for those of us who are healers uh, and we're really good at taking care of other people, that uh, to make sure that you have a practice, even if it's just five minutes a day, that you are filling up your own cup and serving from your, from your overflow, which is one of my favorite Lisa Nichols quotes, uh, that, you know, that, that whole concept of putting the oxygen on ourselves first that we oftentimes forget to do. We'll run around and put IVs in everybody else while we're dehydrated, uh, that it's really important that we take the time to, uh, to take care of ourselves. And if you don't have the time to take care of yourself, then you may, um, this is when pivoting you know, becomes really important. And if you wanna to pivot to, to direct primary care, I'd be happy to help. Um, but even if it's not direct primary care, you know, just you know, 
no one controls your art of medicine, the way that you, you know, perform, you know, the, the, the art and the science of medicine that's yours and you can take it with you wherever you want to go. Uh, so don't let people act like they control you. I agree with that because I know when I went to Nigeria in December, there came my, my telemedicine was right there with me. You know, we had struggled with, we had, you know, some challenges with power outages, but honey, I had my telemedicine with me. So yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And I love that quote. I haven't heard that quote before, but I love me some Lisa Nichols. I go with her yes, yes all the time. I mean, just get that second yes in because that's when that's the power. Yes. I love it. So fill your own cups and then serve only from overflow. Do not set up my eye exactly. if you're dehydrated. And of course, put your mask on first. Wow, Dr. Delicia Hayes, it has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming. I love, love, love your energy. I love what you're doing for those folks in Daytona, Florida. I don't know if you're licensed outside of Florida. Maybe you can get some of us that are over here that are needing a good doctor. I mean, that's just what it is. But um, you don't need a, yes, you need a license to practice outside the state, right? Even though it's cash-based practice yes yes you do yeah i know but for the coaching i guess maybe not right no no my the coaching i come all over yeah yeah the coaching is that but the coaching is that just for the to start a dpc or the coaching is just for doctors mental health uh so i do both uh so the coaching for dpc is um it's at dpcsuccess.com uh it's the website for that uh dpcsuccess.com and um, that's really been my focus. You know, the White Coat Safe Space, which is more the physician mental health, uh, was a lot of workshops and retreats. And so we're having to pivot those. Um, and that, that's still a work in progress, finding powerful ways to do that virtually where people do feel comfortable sharing, mm -hmm. um, because you definitely want to create that really safe space for physicians. So that is uh, in a, a work in progress. But the DPC coaching, I'm actually my uh, fourth class is going to start July 24th. So um, it's been really, uh, it's been really fun. Really enjoying it. That's wonderful. Maybe what I'll do is I'll post this. I'll step out of because I can. I'll post this particular interview in my. Um, do you, have you heard about young black American doctors? Why bad? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to post this there for all it's worth. This, those, just those little nuggets about DPC. And there might be some folks out there who have never heard about it or may want to join your class. You never know. So I'm definitely going to post this one specifically on there, but otherwise it just usually goes on YouTube. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We have come to the end of another party. This is Dr. Lulu. I appreciate your time today. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye.